Hey everybody, I'm Coots. And I'm Conan. Well, welcome to our podcast. My partner in crime is with me today, Dr. Jeff Conan. We're going to be talking about the Peter Principle, something that is near and dear to our heart, something that we really feel is a skill that we really need to be able to deal with and understand. So from a formal perspective, I'm going to read to you the definition uh, posited by Lawrence Peter on the Peter Principle. And basically what he observes is that people in a hierarchy or in an organization tend to rise to a level of respective incompetence. Those are uh, his words. Employees are promoted based on their success in previous jobs until they reach a level at which they are no longer competent as skills in one job do not necessarily translate to another. And that is uh, Lawrence Peter's uh, description of the Peter Principle. And it's really appropriate for leadership. It's really appropriate for entrepreneurial thinking because so much of what we do in our profession and in our in our professional lives and personal lives as well is we want to improve. We want to get better. We want to get promoted. We want to move on to the next thing. And sometimes that can be problematic. So I'm going to throw it over to uh, my colleague, uh, Dr. Jeff Conan, to uh, throw some thoughts out about that. Jeff, what do you think about the Peter Principle? Hey, Matt, I love this concept. And anyone who's ever been in one of my classes or heard any of my presentations on, on business leadership knows that I'm passionate about what's called the Peter Principle. I think I learned about this maybe some 20 years ago. A guy named Lawrence Peter uh, wrote a small book. Uh, I think it was in like 1969. He wrote the book. So we're talking 50 plus years ago. And, and, I'm, and I'm not endorsing the book, by the way. It's really dry and boring to read. And I've never had a, any class as had this as required reading. But here's the cool concept in it. The one takeaway, as you said, what he describes is that individuals who are very competent and very good in what they do will get recognized for that and promoted. But all too often, the position that they're promoted to requires a completely different set of skills. And so they don't do as well in this new position. And ironically, all the people around them, so maybe maybe they were one of us, right? They were one of our colleagues and we're out together all the time and we're best buddies and we all click. And then we're excited this person gets promoted to be our new leader, manager, director, chairperson, whatever it is. And like weeks and months later, we all start talking to ourselves like, boy, they changed. What's going on? We stop inviting them out with us to do things socially because we're always talking about them and we can't be ourselves if they're with us. Well, the reality is in most of these situations, they didn't change. In fact, that was the problem. They didn't change. Right. They were the same person doing the same things they did successfully in a different role that requires different behaviors and skills. And so how I've interpreted this, as you said so eloquently, is my statement is really simple. Ultimately, everyone rises to their level of incompetence. And what that basically means is if you're doing really, really well and you're getting recognized and promoted, if you don't pivot, you know, we love that word, pivot. Right. If you don't pivot to what the role is of that position, you will not succeed. And let me give you one quick example because we're as guilty of any other profession, right? We have a staff of 10 athletic trainers and perhaps we each recognize one or two within the staff who are the best clinical skills and then we promote them to be the director. But the director spends less time with clinical skills and more time in administration and management leadership. And perhaps they're not the most organized person. 
perhaps they're not even the best communicator. They're just phenomenal clinicians. And now this person is, is being seen differently by the rest of the staff and they're not succeeding. But one of the weird things is how would it look if we took a person who in our eyes maybe wasn't the best clinician and we promoted them to the director? They probably perhaps have better directing skills, management skills, leading skills, but we don't put them there because we promote based on accomplishment, right? right. I mean, it's the metrics of success thing. I mean, I'm, I'm itching here to jump in because, you know, one of my, one of the areas that I write on quite a bit in the contextual intelligence space is, is this idea of understanding when the metrics have changed. And one of the biggest detractors to people's success and people's ability to navigate the environment that they're in is their inability to recognize that the metrics for success have just changed. And I get so fired up about that. And this is exactly what the Peter Principle is. It's recognizing that the metrics have changed if, uh, at this next level. If I want to continue to be effective, if I want to continue to be influential, I've got to recognize that there are new metrics of success and the old things don't necessarily come to bear here. It's uh, John Maxwell also has something very similar to this. He calls it the law of the lid. And you can't get promoted. And what happens is we get promoted to one level above our capacity to perform for the exact reasons that you just said. And, and isn't it how isn't it interesting how much self-awareness this requires? Now, oh, I'm not saying I'm super self-aware, but I will say this. For 27 years, I've been in or 27 years, I've been an athletic trainer. 22 of them, I've been in higher education. And I have been asked, you know, I've won a few awards and done a few things. And, and I've been asked many times at two or three different institutions if I wanted to get into administration, associate dean level things, department chair kind of things. I've turned them down every time because of this exact reality that you're talking about. And it, it was hard to do. And people don't understand why I do it because, well, it's what you're supposed to want. But no, not if I want to continue to do what I do and be who I be. Is that right oh, or wrong? Matt, oh, my God. It's so right. And think about this. How many people have you seen who've been, and we'll just use our profession as an example, who've been in some kind of athletic training leadership or directorship position, and then they change. And they, quote, unquote, I just want to go back to being a clinician. Or I just want to be a Three people this and, weekend in a meeting right, who said that exact thing to me. Right. And everyone who's never been in that position looks at them like, okay, what did you do wrong? Why did you get pushed out? They're like, no, you don't understand. Like, I don't like doing this. I didn't realize it. I was patted on the back. I took the promotion. I took the pay raise. And it was a great feeling. We had a nice dinner. We celebrated. And then I got into that chair. And it's like, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not having fun. Like, I don't like doing these things. And then, you, you, you know, you do your term, whatever it is, two years, three years, five years. And then you want to step aside. And people don't understand this. And I remember one time uh, transitioning geographically and applying for faculty positions. And people would say, well, do you know we have a, a dean's position open or a director's position open? I'm like, yeah, I know, but I just want to teach. I just want to do what I do, what I think is the most fun. And honestly, sometimes managing, and this isn't leading, we've had many conversations about the difference between leadership and management, but managing is not as fun to me. And right. so I like to go back to the roots of where I got most excited. And so you're right. And sometimes like if you have the foresight to understand like that's not me i'm not going into that position um and maybe some do and they don't even know why right how many people have you talked to me and say well oh no i don't want to be the charge in charge of the boss 
Well, right. maybe maybe they have good foresight. They don't know why they're saying that, but they get it. They get it quick. So why? So let me ask you this: Why do you think? So I think the problem is is twofold. One, I think we have a culture, or not maybe not the culture, or the system, the organizational system, the way it's designed promotes incompetence. So that's one thing. Because the only thing a lot of managers or CEOs or executives can offer good work is a promotion. You know, is that part? So that's one contributing factor. The second contributing factor is the fact that there's something innate that resides within us as humans that wants the accolade, wants the, the recognition of being promoted. And maybe deep down inside, we kind of already know, well, I'm really, I hope I do good at this job, but I don't know if I will or can't. I mean, what is it about us that, that, that is the draw to want to be promoted beyond our capacity to perform? Well, I, I think it, it just comes back to, you know, simple needs. We all want to feel appreciated. And um, we, whenever someone comes to us and recognizes us in the form of a promotion, particularly if that's attached to a salary adjustment, um, there are very few people that really understand all the other ways you could have negotiations with leverage that go beyond your salary. And so that's a quick bump. Boom, we do it. We take it. Uh, it's a title change. It's a, sometimes people interpret it as positional power, which we all know can be dangerous in, in a short period of time. Um, but, you know, until you're there, you don't know and, and you, you grasp at it and you accept it. And, and, and not everybody fails. You know, let's, let's be right. honest, not right. everybody fails because some people have those skills as well. And some adjust and adapt over time. But, but they might stuff. fail at the next level because if they do really well at the Dean, they're going to be asked to be something else, right? Very possible. Very possible. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we're not, we're all not good at everything. Right. And, and so if we keep our, keep getting opportunities to do new things, you know, some people will tell you, well, just, just accept it, take the opportunity then figure out how to do it. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people that do that because right. Hey, you know, you got an opportunity to take it. But you also then have an obligation to figure out what do I need to do to be successful given this opportunity? Well, the problem is it goes back to the system because I love that example you just gave. It's like, all right, so I get this opportunity because I'm doing a good job at this level. So another level opens up to me. I'm not sure I can do it. So I try it, right? And, and let's say I don't do as good a job at it. The problem is, and the way our system is, is I really don't now have an option because they filled the space behind me. So I don't have an option to opt out without feelings being hurt, without damage being done. Because if I opt out and go back, I either got to look for a completely new job somewhere else and start over, or I have damaged my reputation so badly that people think I'm an idiot now. And that's what I have found happens with the people in my life who have suffered from this Peter principle is they get promoted to this level. You know, for example, the, the example you gave at the very beginning is perfect. You know, I live the story of my friends being taken. You know, when I didn't take the offer, my friends did take the offer to dean, associate dean, department chair, whatever. And they get there now. And it's funny because I was literally talking to my wife the other day about this. It's like, how come you don't talk to so-and-so anymore? It's like, well, he's the boss now. You know, he's, he's, he's the problem now, you know, I mean, kind of thing because he's not doing what he used when we were faculty, he'd say one thing. And now, I mean, now he's got to play the politically correct game. And I understand that. I don't begrudge him for that at all. But the issue is now he's, he's not doing the job and it's ruining his reputation for the next job or for, if he ever wanted to back out and go to another role, just be a professor again, so to speak, he's still going to be out for a while because we don't trust him anymore. 
Hey, you just said the magic word. The magic word is role, R-O-L-E. And, and that's how I've come to view this. And that is, um, these aren't jobs, these are roles. That's good. And when people recognize that, you know, anyone can be removed from their role also. And you can self-remove yourself if you realize the role is not what you enjoy doing, you're not good at, you're not comfortable at. Um, the problem is uh, not many people accept failure. And so they keep pushing and pushing and pushing and get defensive and defensive, defensive. Um, and until the mountain of evidence externally says you're just not doing a good job. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that silence when you walk in every room is a message to you that man, we're just uncomfortable. So the real key here is if you ever find yourself in this position, because again, you have to make some changes, you have to adjust to what the new roles are, have some trusted confidence, both within and external, right? So we talk about, okay, it's easy to fail. Well, how do you succeed? Well, you succeed by thinking ahead and knowing what you're getting yourself into before you accept it. Ask really good questions. Okay, if I become the director now, if I become the dean now, what are the most important things that I need to do in this seat? Because they're probably going to be different than I did previously. And then who else here is a good mentor within? And who do I know outside somewhere else, um, perhaps who's walked into my shoes very similarly, uh, who can give me some advice? And, I, and I'll give you one really, really good example. I was in a position not too long ago where I was offered an interim role to oversee uh, our international area, our international office, if you will, all aspects of it. And, and I placed a call to one of our good colleagues, Mark Hoffman, out in the West Coast. And he had done exactly this. And I got to tell you, Mark was phenomenal, trusted, confident, and said, hey, Jeff, if you do it, great. But you need to think about X, Y, and Z. And if you not only think about it, but you're not prepared for it, you're setting yourself up for failure. And then as a failed leader in that situation, how do you successfully and comfortably return back to the position you were in? Right. And he brought up some unbelievably good points that I'd never thought of. And so you need to think through, you need to have some trusted confidence, both within and external. That's awesome. That's, that's great advice. The other thing I throw out there is, is recognize, you know, you talked about roles. And I think this ties into that is this idea of we have to recognize that the system, now, whatever the system is, your organization, your team, your department, but the system is designed to incentivize us towards that kind of level of incompetence. And we've got to be aware of that. So it's, you know, a lot of my research and a lot of my professional conversations are around being contextually aware, so to speak. And, and I think this is something that's really important because we don't think of that. It's that foresight piece, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the person who's sitting in a seat of, uh, uh, you know, a a more veteran faculty member or a more veteran clinical staff member uh, who's got some ideas, who has some close proximity to the director or the chair, and they see it from the perception perspective of bottom up. They're like, if I ever got there, this is what I would do differently. So when they get there, they realize that now the perception has changed. It's like, well, now that I'm here, what I thought I was seeing isn't actually what's going on because awesome. I have a boss and I have other rules that I wasn't aware of. I have other constraints because as a faculty member or as a clinician, a staff clinician, the constraints are completely different than when you're sitting in the boss's chair, so, so to speak. And, uh, and you're all of a sudden aware of constraints that you didn't have before. And you're like, oh, well, now I know why they did it. And I'm going to keep doing it this way. Whereas what you, you were whining about it before. 
And I think the system is designed for that to happen. So that, that awareness, I guess, I guess I'm asking you or I'm saying, is it naive to think differently than that? Or is that the way we should be no, perceiving it? It's right on. And I think if you look at this, for example, from a generational perspective, when we were young in this game, that's what we thought. Like, why are the leaders doing things the way they're doing it? Because here's what I'm seeing. And here's what I think should happen. But you don't necessarily have all of the information. Now, you could flip that around and say, well, the leaders don't have all the information. And that's their responsibility to be inclusive. But it's really interesting because, as you said, now you take my, my young, naive, and experienced person. And decades later, I'm in leadership. And now I've got people 20 years behind me telling me I don't know anything and I'm doing it all wrong. Right. And they know the way to do it. I don't know that that ever changes, you know, time is time. Right. Um, but the reality is that's a, you know, that's a strong point for effective communication and understanding that a role or a title doesn't grant you smartness, that you still have to be inclusive and know all of the things that are going on around you. Right. But here's the downside. And this is probably where we struggle. And that is there are some things at leadership levels, which are not meant to be shared, right? They're, they're, they're in, phases of development, negotiation, and you're trying to strategize before you roll them out at a certain time. And it's that part, not knowing that part, which is the difficult part for the younger and experienced, um, you know, and, and I don't know, don't mean this in the sense that, well, I'm only 22 and I don't know anything. I mean, an experience of in that role, in that profession, in that setting, that these are things that just happen. And, um, you know, I, I personally, I got in trouble one time in, in a leadership position because I leaked something out on purpose because I knew it was going to hurt somebody in my staff. And I said, hey, you need to think about this. Just give you a heads up. Well, that person didn't keep it quiet. They went roundabout. And then I got in trouble for sharing that information. And I had a responsibility of keeping confident at that time. So right. it, it's not a perfect system. And um, it's not a everyone knows all at every level system. And, and that's the hard part to have to respect what I don't know, right? The unknown is always bothersome to everybody. Yeah. I'd rather know the news even if it's bad, but that's not how it works. So a key takeaway, so we got to wrap this up, but a key takeaway is, you know, from at least from where I'm sitting, because this has been an incredible conversation and uh, this idea of we have to actually, there is something to, or, or something really real about knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at, right? I mean, is that kind of the way to solve this and deal with this? Uh, Self-assessment is critical, right? <laughs> and because the number of people who tell me, yeah, I'm great communicators. <laughs> even, the way they told, even the way they told me that wasn't, right? How, how many times have you heard this? You tell somebody, you know, I, I just want to let you know, I don't think you take negative con constructive criticism well. And I said, yes, I do. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. Well, it's my strength, you know, <laughs> kind of things like, okay, well, yeah, no, exactly. So so here's the thing. So from, from the business side, you know, you just said that and it sparked an idea. I know I said we got to be done, so we will be. But uh, I'm familiar with, with quite a, a, a large stretch of research that talks about one of the things that high-performing people are worse at than anybody else is self-perception, accurate self-perception. So, yeah. so my input for that and what I write about, things that I've talked about is how important it is, you know, this hindsight piece that we talk about with 3D thinking is really important. 
but hindsight, you know, we all suffer from hindsight bias, super, super, you know, it's, it's, it's pandemic levels. Hindsight bias is misremembering the past in your favor, or we got kind of placing yourself as the central character in every memory you have. But the person who self assesses accurately, like you're talking about as the way to, to act, navigate this Peter principle thing will actually invite input from other people outside their normal sphere to actually help them see who they are in their blind spots more accurately. Is that fair to say? I mean, is that, I, I think that's, I think that's awesome. If the person or people you invite in are truly being honest with you and not right. just say what they think you want to hear. Uh, otherwise you're getting false and misleading information and you continue to do the same thing you're doing, thinking it's effective and it's not. So, so the other thing you're saying to help manage the Peter principle is know who your friends are. <laughs> know who your friends are. Know who your enemies are. Keep right. Even closer. All right. So that's a wrap on another podcast. And I'm Coots. And I'm Conan. See you next time.